Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. We'd like to invite all of Ray's listeners to join us on one of our free upcoming walks at birding hotspots throughout Rhode Island. Explore the smallest state in the Union with the biggest variety of birds by visiting our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org, for more information. You can also follow us on Facebook. Find out all we have to offer birders with Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 724. And happy Easter from all the peeps here at Talking Birds. Well, if you're listening live, uh, tomorrow would be April 22nd, Earth Day, all over the world. Events being held in 193 countries to demonstrate support for environmental protection. The theme this year is protecting and saving species. The goal is to educate and raise awareness about the accelerating rate of extinction of millions of species and the causes of and consequences of that acceleration. Also to achieve major policy victories to protect broad groups of species as well as individual species in their habitats and to build and activate a global movement that embraces nature and its values and to encourage individual actions like adopting a plant-based diet and stopping pesticide and herbicide use. Earth Day events now coordinated globally by the Earth Day Network. They're asking us all to join this year's project or protect our species campaign. Find out more at earthday.org. So we know that songbirds generally migrate at night. This helps them avoid predators, often provides cooler and calmer traveling conditions, and frees up the daytime hours for foraging and feeding. Okay, fine, but if they all fly all night and feed all day, when do they sleep? Well, a new study by researchers at Ohio's Bowling Green State University suggests that the birds sleep all through the day, but only in very short naps. The scientists studied this bird, the Swainson's thrush, the bird which flies as far as 3,000 miles from the wintering grounds in Central and South America to their northern Canada and Alaska breeding areas. The researchers observed caged thrushes for an entire year and discovered that during migration periods, the birds took several naps a day, each one lasting, on average, nine seconds. The Bowling Green scientists suggest that by using this napping strategy, the thrushes and other migratory birds can gain some of the benefits of sleep while only slightly increasing their risks of being eaten. Nine seconds, that's longer than you nap uh, during the show, Tim, I believe. Yes, yes, much longer. Birds face many other obstacles in their migratory journeys in addition to the possibilities of becoming meals for predators. And we'll talk uh, about a program that's working to address one of their more serious obstacles right here in just a few minutes. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird contest preview. We'll be doing the actual contest a bit later. We hope you'll be ready to call in at 781-837-4900 a little bit later. Our mystery bird is a small songbird that breeds all across the eastern half of the U.S. 
While most of its family members move south of the continental U.S. in winter, our bird goes no farther than our southeastern states. It's one of the first to head northward in spring and may begin breeding right about now, late April. Our bird, which has plain olive gray upper parts, a yellow throat and breast, blurry streaks on the sides, a white belly and undertail coverts, and gray wings with two white wing bars on each, is rarely seen away from pine trees, feeding mostly on caterpillars and other insects. Beautiful prizes, including the Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder and a download for the LarkWire app or access to it online, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. Speaking again of migration obstacles, it's painful to see, but important to know about a shocking array of birds who've fallen victim to building collisions. We have a shared Facebook post from Canada's Fatal Light Awareness Program. Our Debbie Bleacher visited the campus of the University of Texas at Austin this week, and she sent us a cool little video of a very vocal great-tailed grackle exploring a rack of bicycles. Uh, find it on our page. And the ladies of Four Rivers Audubon are looking good as they pose in front of a Talkin' Birds banner at the Alligator Lake Spring Festival in Lake City, Florida. And great thanks to Talkin' Birds Ambassador Jerry Poltorek for having that banner created. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Don't forget, you can also find those stories uh, through an online search. That's in case you're not a Facebook follower. Well, we've saluted, uh, a, well, at least a couple of American cities recently in our conservation salute. We've saluted the city of Boston and the city of Chicago, and today we salute the greatest city of them all, the great city of New York, which is embarking on an ambitious plan to fight climate change by forcing thousands of large buildings to sharply reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. Legislation passed by the New York City Council this week the goal of achieving a 40% overall reduction of emissions by 2030. And that effort comes as the state of New York, among other states, has undertaken a number of initiatives to reduce carbon emissions and create new high-paying jobs in the clean energy sector. So our Talking Birds salute this morning to the city of New York. And we'd love to salute our Talking Birds ambassadors, and we are very happy and thankful to be able to thank two more new Talking Birds ambassadors this morning, including Sue Dory from Granby, Connecticut. She says she birds around the state and on trips to Maine, and she says we have traveled to the Galapagos and will return this year. That's pretty cool, and thank you so much, Sue. And thank you to Joan Hostetter from Roswell, Georgia. She says, as an ambassador, I will help other bird lovers find out about your show. I only found Talking Birds podcast recently. And I'm listening back all the way to your first shows. Ooh, thank you so much, Joan. Well, Talking Birds listeners, how about you? Won't you join, uh, join Joan and Sue in our Talking Birds Ambassadors family? Easy to do, easy to sign up for. Just hand out a few of our cards that we'll send to you. To do it, just click on the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Well, still to come on our show today, we'll talk with Massachusetts Audubon's Will Friedberg. 
about a program called ACT. We'll explain what that is. Also, we'll catch up with our Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about cat-proofing your birdhouses. And up next, it's a shorebird. It's a croissant. It's today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Now there's an old joke whose punchline is, never leave a turn unstoned. And we'll have the rest of that joke later. But for now, let's talk about a shorebird that hardly ever leaves a stone unturned. Around these parts, that would be, right, the ruddy turnstone. Now this is another one of those birds you won't soon forget once you've seen it. That's because in breeding plumage, it's so colorful, with flashy brown, black, and white wings and a black-and-white harlequin facial pattern that's pretty unmistakable. It's also because, as Pete Dunn says in his Field Guide companion book, it's shaped somewhat like a croissant. Its head looks a little small for its body. It has a short bill that's ever so slightly upturned, and short little orange legs. The ruddy turnstone is about average length for a shorebird, around 7 inches, and sounds like this. Ah, the ruddy turnstone, this week's featured feathered friend here on Talking Birds. Welcome again to our show number 724. Our website, TalkingBirds.com. And we hope you'll follow us on, uh, let's see, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talking Birds. Well, once or twice a week over a several-week period, I'm joining with fellow volunteers patrolling some of the streets of downtown Boston, monitoring collisions of birds with buildings in a citizen science program called ACT, A-C-T, the Avian Collision Team. And to tell us exactly why we're doing that and what exactly we're doing is Mass Audubon's Will Friedberg, coordinator of the ACT program. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Ray. How's it going? Doing well. And you're doing well, too, on the birding front this morning, right? Well, it's been a pretty intense morning. Not very (laughs) heavy migration last night, but uh, somebody reported a Virginia rail running around Essex Street downtown. So I've been checking in on that. All right. Have you found it yet? Oh, yes. It is currently... Uh, it is under somebody's Honda Civic, and I'm trying to sort out whether it needs to be caught and brought to Tufts Wildlife Clinic or whether it's mm-hmm. best to leave it be. All right. Well, tell us about ACT. Well, what is it and what is the goal? Well, the purpose of this project is twofold. Um, one is to collect data. We want to understand the scale of the problem that is bird window strikes in Boston versus other cities, mm-hmm. um, double-check which... Uh, building design and sighting factors are most consequential, and see if heavy strike nights can be predicted. Um, Secondly, we want to have an abundance of evidence that this is a problem before approaching building managers about turning their lights off at night or even considering bird-safe glass. So we're trying to feed two birds with one scone, as we like to say. <laughs> well, speaking of the, the nighttime collisions and when, and when this uh, sort of thing happens, many folks may be surprised to know that the greatest number of bird collisions occur in the early morning hours, if I have this right, after the birds have 
finished the previous night's flight and are reorienting themselves for the day's foraging and feeding, right? Exactly. And this is a, it's, it's a common misconception that birds strike uh, lit buildings uh, and, and skyscrapers, especially uh, in the middle of their migration. Um, they're easily fooled by reflections, not because they're idiots, but because their eyes are structured differently from our own. Mm-hmm. And they're also attracted to light, so they're drawn to brightly lit cities. Um, but it's not that they strike skyscrapers at night. It's that light pollution draws them into cities almost like moths, and they mm-hmm. strike windows during the morning when they find themselves in a confusing maze of buildings with little open sky. Then they aim for a reflection and smack. Uh-huh. Well, so those of us doing these little surveying routes are looking for birds that have crashed into buildings determining species. And I think this is something you're especially interested in, uh, Will, if I'm correct, and that's the orientation of the buildings facing north south, southwest, et cetera. What, uh, what about that? What about these compass headings and what they really, uh, what do you think they tell us? Sure. Um, well, I'll backtrack for just a second to, to mention that there are a number of variables that our volunteers are responsible for taking data on. Um, although there are lots of programs similar to ACT across the country, there are not too many volunteer-oriented programs that... Um, rather than just turning volunteers loose through the city and saying, find us carcasses, mm-hmm. uh, actually ask volunteers to walk the same route, check the same buildings at the same times, and, and standardize it that way. Mm-hmm. So in addition to building orientation, we're also taking data um, ourselves on uh, what percent glass the buildings are um, and what materials are made out of, how high they are, environmental conditions like fog and cloud cover, all of which we think have something to do with uh, the intensity of, or the number, rather, of of building strikes um, each early morning. Um, Building orientation is important uh, for this study just because it seems to be something that hasn't been looked at in even the more scientifically oriented programs like this. And it's my intuition that northbound birds, um, even during reorientation flights and dawn flights, will strike the south side of, of, of the building more often, and vice versa in the fall. And that's the kind of information that uh, architects who are interested in constructing bird-safe buildings um, could, could really use. Hmm. And by the way, you mentioned about other cities, and was Detroit, Chicago, other places uh, doing something similar? Yes, um, there are actually a few dozen cities mm-hmm. nationwide that either have a window strikes monitoring program or a lights out program um, to encourage building managers to save energy and reduce light pollution as well as building strikes by turning their lights off at night. Um, we're building up to reinvigorating and expanding our lights out program, um, but it's not uh, it's it's not a brand new concept. Um, It's been going on since really 1985 in cities like Toronto, Mm -hmm. where they have the Fatal Light Awareness Program. Um, About 90 volunteers that comb the streets every morning and a very active uh, Lights Out advocate community there. By the way, uh, Will, listeners are probably wondering, what happens to the birds that we collect? Well, um, most of the, all of the dead birds that we find that are truly dead and not revivable uh, are sent to the Harvard Museum of Comparative Zoology, 
that's a branch of the Natural History Museum, where they can be used for uh, all sorts of studies that rely on genetic material, um, as well as the teaching collections. Uh, so the, the carcasses don't go to waste. The live birds, uh, or the birds that are stunned and injured, uh, we take to Tufts Wildlife Clinic in Grafton, which is quite a haul, uh, and they over there do a fantastic job of giving the birds best treatment that they can. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about the program here in Massachusetts, and if uh, you're listening in Massachusetts, uh, the following would be of interest to you, we hope, uh, Will, and that's the fact that for the fall you'll be looking for new volunteers, right? That's quite right, Ray. Um, and if you Google Mass Audubon ACT um, or, or Mass Audubon Window Strikes, you can get all sorts of information about how to get involved in the program. Uh, and we would be really excited to expand this and get as many people as involved in the fall as we can. All right. Will Freeberg is coordinator of the Massachusetts Audubon Society's ACT Avian Collision Team Citizen Science Program. Give us that website address again, if you would, Will. Uh, you know, I unfortunately don't have it on hand right now, and I'm, okay. not, I'm not connected to Wi-Fi, but it is a, it's easy enough to Google if you just Google Mass Audubon ACT or Mass Audubon uh, Window Strikes Citizen Science. Uh, it will be the first result that pops up. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm correcting myself. You hadn't given a website address, but you did, you did say Google it. Okay, so that's how we can find it. Well, thank you so much, and good luck keeping all those volunteers in line. Thank you. I'm going to work on the Virginia Rail for now. <laughs> Take care. All right. Good luck on that. Will Freeberg there from Mass Audubon and the ACT program, Avian Collision Team, which, as Will indicated, uh, has some sister programs around the country in uh, addition to these uh, Lights Out programs that I think did start with Toronto and their Fatal Light Awareness Program, uh, affectionately known as FLAP. Coming up here on our on our show here, on our Talking Birds show. It would be our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safari's founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera Safari's provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safari's. See their website for details, naserasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A. Nasera Safaris. Recognize that bird song? Well, you're way ahead of the game if you do on our mystery bird contest because that is uh, the sound or one of the sounds of our mystery bird. The contest is now open. It's open to you if you haven't been a winner here within six months here on our Talking Birds show. And the number to call by which to uh, give your answer or your guess is 781 837 Four nine hundred. We'd like to mention that our contest uh, has a certain uniqueness in the sense that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer as long as somebody else doesn't. We'll do a drawing and determine our winner. And our man Tim McKenney will handle that as he knows how to do that. He's had lots of experience and is quite capable of 
uh, conducting uh, a good drawing. 781-837-4900. He's drawing right now. It's something on there, it looks like. Uh, 781-837-4900 is the number. Clues include these. Our mystery bird is a small songbird that breeds all across the eastern half of the U.S., now, while most of its family members move south of the continental U.S. in winter, our bird goes no farther than our southeastern states. It's one of the first to head northward in spring and may begin breeding right about now in late April. Our bird has plain olive-gray upper parts, a yellow throat, and breast blurry streaks on the sides, a white belly and undertail coverts, and gray wings with two white wing bars beyond each wing. It's rarely seen away from pine trees, feeding mostly on caterpillars and other insects. And uh, we've started to see these birds, uh, I think, as of a couple of weeks ago here in New England. 781-837-4900 is the number. Please don't wait to get your call into us so that we'll have enough time to get to your call on our Mystery Bird Contest. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. I was going to say down at the Bird Watchers General Store in Cape Cod, but no, he is not there this morning. We'll find out exactly where he is located uh, just ahead. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. I'm Janice Dayton, and I'm from Marshfield, Massachusetts. I love the Mystery Bird Contest. I get my Audubon book out and I thumb through it. <laughs> I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I just want to spread the news because I think it's an awesome show. We learn something different every week. It's a great show, and I'm glad I could help. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Well, do you need to cat-proof a birdhouse? You could go to CatProofYourBirdhouse.com or we could check with Mike O'Connor who uh, knows the answer to this or has maybe several answers or suggestions, and he is on the line with us right now from Central Park, New York. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray, and happy Easter to you all. Happy Easter to you. What's cooking in Central Park this morning? What are you oh, saying? Oh, Central Park's good. I'm, I'm, maybe next week I'll talk about what I see in the next couple of mornings. going to take some walks through here, and mm-hmm. believe it or not, it's... It's actually a good birding spot, which you wouldn't think, but it's a good migrant trap. Mm-hmm. And so I'll do some early morning walks and uh, maybe talk about it next week, and people can plan if next time they come to the Big Apple. All right. That it's sounds good. But somebody had a question about cats. Yeah. yeah. Cats, is, cats are one of the few things, like, like you just had Will on about window collisions, and mm-hmm. that's a tough thing to solve. It's a big problem. Yeah. And of all the things that we can do to save birds, and really millions and millions of birds, it's control cats, keep cats inside. And I know last week you had some woman who she thinks <clears throat> cats went up and pulled the, the babies. Uh, I think she had Carolina chickadees, maybe yeah. pulled the babies out of the um, uh, out of the nest. And um, in, in the easiest thing to do to stop cats from, is to keep put your pole your uh, your birdhouses on metal poles. Cats mm-hmm. can easily climb trees, not so easily metal poles. But the same token. 
Um, as much as I'd like to blame cats as much as possible, there's other creatures that eat uh, nesting birds as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the bigger problem ones are, are raccoons. I know the folks at Mass Audubon had a whole field of bluebird and tree swallow nest boxes, and, and the cat and the raccoons wiped them all out. So what they did is the metal poles don't necessarily work with them. They'll stop the cats, but they raccoons climb metal poles. So they had to institute baffles, and we sold them a whole bunch of baffles. And the raccoon baffle looks like a big kind of a stove pipe. It's long. It's much bigger than a squirrel baffle, but it will shut down the, the raccoons for sure. They've all had, they've had great success now since they put these in place. But the baffles also stop the squirrels from climbing up, and chipmunks, which can be also can be a problem. So if you're going to put up some birdhouses and you're having problems with predators, put them on metal poles, someone out in the open, and, and put on a raccoon baffle. That'll that'll stop them. And the sign that you the indication that you've got a problem is the raccoons or the cats will reach in and pull the nesting material right out. So when you get to the you see the hole, you see straw or grasses coming through. You know, you've had a predator reaching through. All right, and then out. Thanks for those tips, Mike, and uh, good luck in Central Park. Don't get lost. Hope you have your GPS on there. Well, you know, I'm going to look for Honda Civics. Maybe I'll see a Virginia Rail. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right, Mike O'Connor, usually at the Bird Watchers General Store, but right now doing a little birding in Central Park, New York, and we'll get a report from him on what he is uh, seeing there on next week's show. Meanwhile, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. Uh, We'll be back uh, right after this, but first, uh, I I don't think we gave a detail of our prizes this morning. One was the Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder with the unique Songbird and Blueberries design and a clear view of the birds right at your window. It fastens very uh, securely to your window. It holds a couple of uh, cups of uh, seed or fruit or mealworms. That's one prize. And then the other bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Uh, Back to the Mystery Bird Contest after this important message. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Clues on our mystery bird contest. Our bird is a small songbird that breeds all across the eastern half of the U.S. While most of its family members move south of the continental U.S. in winter, our bird goes no farther than our southeastern states. It's one of the first to head north in spring and may begin breeding right about now in late April. Our bird, which has plain olive gray upper parts, a yellow throat and breast, blurry streaks on the sides, a white belly and undertail coverts, and gray wings with two white wing bars on each wing, is rarely seen away from pine trees, feeding mostly on caterpillars and other insects. What would our mystery bird be? There is the uh, sound of the mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. We are close to running out of time, so get your call in here as quickly as possible so that we can accommodate that call and possibly declare you the winner of our mystery bird contest. 781-837-4900. 4900 is the number. Meanwhile, a reminder if you're listening live today or listening on Monday, April 22nd is Earth Day. All over the world, thousands of events held to demonstrate support for environmental 
Protection. Earth Day first celebrated in 1970. Now includes events in nearly 200 countries. If you'd like to find out more about it, that'd be a pretty good idea. Just go to earthday.org. Those are the folks that are kind of um, keeping track of what's going on on Earth Day events. It's earthday.org. 781-837-4900 is our number, and we go to Rose in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. Good morning, and if you're celebrating the holiday, happy Easter to you, Rose. And happy Easter to you. What do you think our mystery bird is? Uh, I'm, tell, I'm being told we're almost out of time here. Okay, Carolina Wren. Carolina Wren, uh, is that correct, uh, Tim? I, 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 uh, I, no, that, no. That's a heck of a try, but you know what? We're out of time. You may be our winner anyway, so, so uh, okay. hang on there, Rose. All right. We're out of time for this morning's show. Happy Easter again. Thanks to our Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Frey McGregor, Homa Sarabi Donay, and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com by Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. We'd like to invite all of Ray's listeners to join us on one of our free upcoming walks at birding hotspots throughout Rhode Island. Explore the smallest state in the Union with the biggest variety of birds by visiting our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org, for more information. You can also follow us on Facebook. Find out all we have to offer birders with Ocean State Bird Club.